Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 14 of the Faith, Tech, and Space podcast. I'm your host, Rich Hay from WindowsObserver.com. Good to be with you on this Saturday, the 22nd of August. Didn't quite get my weekly plan and schedule going last weekend. Sunday was a pretty rough day, so decided to just not do the podcast at the time. So I've updated my links. I've collected new stuff from this past week from what I had prepared for last weekend and have a show to roll out to you. So we're going to talk about quite a bit of stuff. Um, Last week, I'm going to start off talking a little bit about the PC build because it's done. So when I last recorded, I mentioned that uh, I would be doing a PC build to do because I was having a failure on my current PC, which is about six or six and a half, seven years old. Excuse me. It was running 32 gig of uh, DDR3 RAM, a couple SSDs, one one terabyte, and I think the other was 256. Um, It was running an AMD uh, FX6350, which is like an eight core processor, but a very old processor. So uh, I mentioned the hardware that I went with with the upgrade. That was the uh, Fantex Eclipse P300 case the AMD Ryzen 5 3600 CPU, which was the number one uh, CPU for sale on Amazon in its category. A significant four or five time increase in performance compared to the FX6350, which I had. And then I got the Gigabit, um, uh, Gigabyte X570. I got their gaming brand. That's the AORUS, however you pronounce that, Elite Motherboard. What's cool about this motherboard is it's very sleek, got a lot of built-in Thermal protections on it, uh, heat sinks and things of that nature, fans, uh, very easy to set up. And with the case that I got, it was extremely easy to get the motherboard in there. I think I mentioned to you the case has a place on the bottom to install the power supply and a, and a case and room on the back side. So if you're looking at the case, on the left side is usually your opening where you put the motherboard and all your, your hardware. On the back side of that case, on the right side, you take the panel off and it's got cable run. So you can run cables to the spots you needed in the case to keep the case fairly clean of uh, cables and stuff like that to help with airflow and and obviously with thermal controls. So really, really impressed with that case. Uh, The the CPU has been great. It's a real powerhouse and does extremely well. The one little hiccup that we had was with the memory. Uh, DDR3 and DDR4 has a different notch. It's made so that it can't be put in a more advanced system. That was unbeknownst to me, but luckily uh, my local Best Buy had uh, 32 gig of DDR4, which I went and grabbed the next morning after doing the build. And um, because it was about 11 o'clock at night or so that I found out that I didn't have the right memory. So I was completely configured and put together with the new system. The old desktop was torn down because I did pull out the SSDs and things like that and the memory thinking I was going to reuse it. But anyway, got some good DDR4 memory, uh, got it in the system the next morning and got the system up and running. First power, powered up, no problem at all. So it was pretty cool. It is great fun to build a system, to put together the parts. And that first kind of power button push is both exhilarating and nerve-wracking because you're waiting to see if everything works out okay. Um, So a a couple areas that um, I'm really pleased with, the case, the CPU. I did recycle my um, GTX 1050 Ti, my NVIDIA video card. It's got 4 gig of VRAM. It is an older card. Uh, and I'm currently waiting on MSI to let me know if whether or not they can put one of their new gen or current gen or recent gen 
cards in my hands to test out and stuff like that with this system. Um, so really good build there. Now, of significance in this build is, first off, no CD or DVD. I uh, The way the case is made, there are no slots on the front of the case. So you don't have anywhere to put it anyhow, okay? But they're, in this day and age, CD especially, but DVD drives really aren't necessary. You can download most software you need <clears throat> from the Internet and from uh, the places that you get that kind of stuff, and so you don't need those types of things. And with flash drives, you can now uh, mount ISOs onto a flash drive or prepare a flash drive to be mountable so it can be an install device. So you really don't need CDs and DVDs anymore. Um, also, I used to have a, um, a front panel ex uh, expansion card thing where I could plug in a couple USB ports or USB flash drives. I could plug in a memory card and things like that. Did not move that over. Again, obviously because the front panel of the case is clean, there are no breaks in it. There are no places to put those things. So unnecessary as well. Um, went with extra fan installs, so I put two intake fans at the front of the case, and then it has one out, um, exhaust fan at the back, so it creates a really solid airflow. Um, system has stayed well within temperatures and things like that, so no complaints there at all. Um, another unique feature of the motherboard is that it has two M2 SSD slots. Now, M2 SSDs are those kind of look like a stick of gum. They're that size. And they're SSDs, but what happens is, is that there is a, a, a place for them to plug in on the motherboard that directly accesses the PCI Express backbone. So I'll give you a comparison. So I, I you may remember I mentioned uh, a few episodes ago that I had an HP that was probably about three or four years old that the battery had swollen on it, right? And it, so I took it apart. I pulled out that in, it had an, an M2 NVMe SSD in it of uh, it was a 512, I think. So I pulled it out because I wanted to keep it and the rest of the system I got rid of. Well, I stuck that NVMe SSD, which is probably three plus years old. I stuck it into the system. It is a PCI Express 3 compatible um, SSD M2. Now, PCI Express 4 is new. That's what my motherboard supports for, but it also backs down to 3. And it's fast. Let me tell you, I've got, I've got SSDs in my system. I haven't been using spinning drives for a long time. But this NVMe SSD that plugs directly into the PCI Express backbone, so it's talking directly to the CPU. It's got, a much, it's got four channels of comms to go. It runs three to four times faster transferring data than a standard my, my SSDs do in the system. It is pretty amazing to see the difference in the speed between the SSD that's hanging off the SATA 6 port um, or the one that's running in this NVMe slot. So really, really impressive. It comes with two slots, uh, so there's room for expansion there as well. Really, really fast SSD. And it's the one you would want to make your boot drive, right? Because that's where you want your fastest access at. So although I'm up and running using the SSD that was installed with Windows 10 on my previous main desktop that was failing, uh, I stuck that in, the system booted up, it did what it needed to do to update drivers and, and firmware and all that kind of stuff, and it's been running great. I mean, it's a very fast and speedy system, um, but I'm seriously contemplating um, redoing this system and installing uh, the OS on that M2 SSD to get that performance improvement for the data uh, throughput. So lots of fun there. Uh, anybody out there needs some DDR3 memory that's here in the U.S., we might be able to make a deal because I've now got 32 gigs of it that can't go anywhere. I can't use it on any other systems. So I've got uh, a bit of stuff there too. So, All right, so that was a lot of fun. Let's talk a little bit about the faith side of things as we finish up the open. The um, 
We're still on hiatus, uh, as I've mentioned before, but our cohort, we did meet a week ago with our formation directors, director and to talk about the upcoming class schedule and things like that. So we're kind of getting ready for year two. Um, we do have a schedule. We've got some Zoom classes. We've got some in-person classes, socially distanced and masked and all that kind of stuff. Locally, we're going to, this year, we're going to be studying Catholic social justice teaching again, uh, homiletics. We're going to have two sets of homiletics classes. We were supposed to have a homiletics class last year, but because it needed to be in person, it was at the tail end of the year, and of course, the pandemic hit, and we started meeting via Zoom, so we couldn't do that class. So we're going to start in October with one of our homiletics classes, and then we have our Theology of the Body class in November, December, and then we will continue homiletics. We have a liturgy class uh, where we will learn a little bit about liturgy, uh, and then we have an ecumenism and a bioethics class locally. Online, we'll do fundamental theology to start the year off. Here in a few weeks, we'll start that class online. We'll have the Pentateuch and the Prophets, and then the letters of Paul and the Acts of the Apostles. So we've got a pretty strong uh, scriptural uh, basis for this year's online classes. Uh, we just finished up the, the four Gospels. So doing the fundamental theology will be a break from that sequence. And then in the spring, so beginning January of 2020, gosh, 2021, uh, we'll do the Pentateuch, and then in the summer we'll do the Prophets and the Letters of Paul and the Acts of the Apostles at the same time. So we'll have one's a sh- six-week class, one's a full 12-week class. So that's what's coming online and locally with our classes this year. And we have other events around those things. We'll ha- we're scheduled to have a retreat again that's supposed to be part of uh, the normal kind of wrap-up of year two at that time. And, of course, this coming a week from today, we have our Vocations Boards interview for the end of year one, beginning of year two. Uh, so plenty to go on there. Yesterday, we finally got, we met for a day of reflection. This year's um, retreat was reformatted to become a day of reflection, but we were physically present. The first time our cohort's been together in five months. So when the pandemic hit uh, in March and things locked down, we went online with classes and we had not been together in five months as a cohort at all, all seven of us. So it was really nice to be back together with the cohort and see the guys um, that I'm going through um, formation with here. And uh, we had uh, quite a few of the wives there as well, so that was nice. It was a nice day of relaxation, disconnect from tech. I put away the phone, locked it in the glove box. It didn't come out all day long. Um, and we had a lot of time to spend in reflection and, and discussions and stuff like that. So it was really really a welcome day. Of course, coming up in less than a month now is our right of candidacy. Uh, We've written the letters to the bishop, uh, both myself and my wife and my fellow cohort members and their wives have handwritten letters to the bishop petitioning to be accepted into the right of candidacy. So that will happen at a mass at our shrine, uh, Our Lady of La Leche, down in St. Augustine, Florida, and that is scheduled to happen next month. And that will be where we formally move from our first year as aspirants, uh, our aspirancy part of our evaluation and our formation into candidates for holy orders um, the second and third years leading up to our ordination that is scheduled right now, God willing, um, June of 2022. So that's where we're at with all of this formation and faith and things of that nature going on. In tech, it's been a pretty busy couple weeks. Um, not not outrageously busy, but there's been a lot going on. So we're gonna we got quite a few headlines to cover. But first, let's catch up on what's going on in the world of Windows Insiders. So for Windows Insiders, since we last chatted, we have had two developer uh, channel releases. We've had build 20190 and 20197 that just came out yesterday. So today being Saturday the 22nd, yesterday 
Friday the 21st. Uh, it was delayed a couple days because they came out on Wednesday, which is typically their flighting day, and said there was a bug that was impacting flighting. They were going to try to sort it out, see if they could get a new build, and they did. Uh, and that new build, interestingly, had a feature where another module of control panel is moving over into the settings app, and that is the management of disks. So it now has the ability to resize disks, to rename disks, uh, to format disks, and all that kind of stuff that you would normally do in disk management over on the control panel side you can now do um, in the settings app under storage so i'm going to explore that a little bit more i haven't had time to do a kind of walk through screenshots and stuff like that but you know me i'll do that i'll get it up on windowsobserver.com so that you can have a look through that if you don't see it yet but that it wasn't an ab rollout so anybody on insider dev should see that on the beta channel, we did have a new update, 19042.450. And right alongside of that, because this past week we had, in the last two weeks, we've had Patch Tuesday, um, the release preview channel got their 19041.450. So basically, release preview, which we uh, is right now is basically Windows 10 version 2004, and uh, the beta channel, which is 20H2, that's the release expected later this fall. Uh, actually, this fall. Gosh, we're in August. September, October's right here. Um, that They're basically paralleling each other, but they're one number off 19042 compared to 19041 because they're in the two different channels. But they maintain that kind of uh, minor build number matching. So they're getting the same cumulative updates because they're basically the same code base, right? In fact, the upgrade, one thing Microsoft just announced this past week is that Windows 10 20H2 it's been opened up for business testing. So businesses can go and grab that uh, enablement module, get it installed, and test it on their devices. There, sh there is, because 20H2 is an extension of 2004, there should not be a significant change or any issues, major issues with it. it should, it's a very quick install because it's like a cumulative update. So it's not a full build reinstall or anything like that. So it's going to be very similar to what last year was like for 19H2. All right, and what else have we got? Uh, the new out-of-box experience. I grabbed screenshots of that. It popped up on, we got that in build 20190 uh, the week before. So I did an out-of-box experience screenshot so you can see what that looks like. That comes up in the Tips app. Uh, and then Windows 10X on-screen keyboard showed up in the latest Windows 10 Insider build and on Microsoft grabbed that and has some screenshots of that as well. So that's where we stand. Dev channel, build 20197. Beta channel, build 19042.450 and release preview channel 19041.450. So that's where we stand on Windows Insider builds right now. Uh, on the Edge Insider side, Edge Canary is currently at build version 86, build 615. Edge Dev is also in version 86, 608.2. They just released that update this week with a big set of notes, which I have a link to here. On the beta channel, Edge Beta is at version 85, and that is at build 564.40. And then on Edge Stable, we're in version 84 still, build 522.63. You know, the, the, the Edge Beta the ed, and the Edge Stable all get little minor releases uh, throughout, their, throughout their four to six week kind of lifespan. Uh, so that dot number, that dot 63.40 tends to change a little bit each week as they release um, small patches, small updates, minor updates for those things. Some of the things we've seen this week and the last in Edge Canary that have popped up as being tested, a secure DNS option. This is an option in settings under privacy in Edge, uh, New Edge, where you can actually choose to use your own DNS options. So something like Cloudflare, 
Google's public DNS. Uh, you know me, I'm a big fan of uh, Pi-hole. So uh, if you use Pi-hole, you could designate that as your target. Um, you could also designate AdGuard Home. They have a DNS server that does filtering based on their basic default filters. You could put that in there. So you, there's some custom, there's some presets, and then you can put your own of choice there as well. So pretty cool security and privacy feature there that's being tested. In collections, they've added the option to sort collection entries by date or name to make them a little more manageable. Uh, so that's in Canary right now. And then you may have noticed on the new tab page on, I think it's showed up in Dev and Canary, uh, these recommended searches or recent searches that show up underneath the, if you keep the new tab page and you have the search box there, I don't think we can get rid of that. Um, you may see underneath some recent searches or recommended searches. Um, you can, there is a way to turn those off. That has now been incorporated into the settings for the new tab page, so you can go in there and do that. The other thing that has shown up on the new tab page is a Skype meeting now button. Uh, and that also, can that one, however, cannot be turned off for whatever reason. Uh, it doesn't have a setting on the screen to right click and kind of say no thanks, or it doesn't have one in the new tab page settings. So some feedback sent to Microsoft in the last 10 days is that nothing should ever show up on a new tab page without an option to turn it off. And I get it in Canary and Dev, they're testing things, but that you should always ship with an option to turn something off. I really like a clean new tab page, although I have begun, I really like the reformatted quick links or quick, uh, most are the, the most used links. And so that appears down at the bottom of the new tab page. I don't show the content, the news content and headlines and all that kind of stuff. But I really like the reformatted uh, quick quick links because they're a little smaller, they're translucent, and they look better on the page. So I don't mind those so much, but they can be turned off in settings for new tab page. But this Skype meeting button couldn't be. And at one time, the recommended searches couldn't be. But that is now. That is in the settings, and you can do that. But that Skype meeting still needs to have that option. So as I mentioned a minute ago, dev channel update, I've got a link to that. I did a hands-on walkthrough of the Microsoft Edge add-on site. When the new legacy Edge released, they had released their new add-on site, and it's very robust now. I, I forget the number I counted. I want to say um, I wrote it in my blog post on windowsobserver.com. Uh, where's it at? Where's it at? Where's it at? 2,600 add-ons in the library right now, over almost 2,600 add-ons, add-ons quote, it means extensions, uh, for Microsoft Edge, new Edge, in the online library, they call it add-ons. So they, they have it broken out into broad topics like editor's picks, trending, and getting started, and then there are 12 main categories, accessibility, blogging, communication, developer tools, entertainment, news and weather, photos, Productivity, search tools, shopping, social, and sports. By far, productivity at 1,137 add-ons is the highest, and sports with only seven is the lowest. So if you're interested in that, you can go and look through the screenshots that I have on windowsobserver.com for that as well. A uh, new way to paste. So this is something else that has come out for testing. It was being rolled out AB, and I haven't checked to see if it's come out uh, yet for me. But they have a new option. If you copy a URL from a web page, you know how some URLs have all this extra stuff after question mark? It's actually tracking data for, for uh, tools like Buffer or Twitter to track when things are shared uh, through those channels. So it's a lot of extra characters on the end of a link. And I, I know when I do show notes on this page, I go in and I delete that stuff. But 
if you're looking to have a clean way to paste your URL without all that, and you've copied it from Edge, for instance, and you're going somewhere to paste it, there is now an option to paste as link and it will get rid of all that extra stuff and just paste the main link. There's also a shortcut for this. Uh, you, plain text URL pasting is control shift V and then you, your link testing is the control V paste. So it will, if you use keyboard shortcuts to copy and paste, when you do control V to paste a URL that has all that extra stuff on it, it will only paste the main URL. So that's nice to clean things up. All right, on the Microsoft front, a really cool video one day when Microsoft, kind of Microsoft touching base with their employees around the world to talk about how they're kind of, uh, how they're coping and dealing with the pandemic and all that brings to, to bear. Of course, this past week, the big news was um, Surface Duo. Actually, it was the week before Surface Duo went on pre-order. It will start to ship on the 10th of September. It will become available that day. Um, lots of commentary and reviews on or discussions around the Surface Duo. And here's some of the headlines I've got links for you, right? Microsoft's, Duo, Microsoft's Surface Duo could be revolutionary or a two-screen disaster. That's from CNET. Uh, I got links here from Satya Nadella and Panos Pane and their discussion about Surface Duo. Um, somebody at ZDNet wrote, Surface Duo, made for an office culture that no longer exists. Well, that's because of work from home. So it, it, Surface Duo by Microsoft is being positioned as a productivity device that is in between a phone and a tablet. So it'll be interesting to see how this kind of goes and how it gets adopted. Surface Duo will receive OS and security updates for three years. Don't forget Surface Duo is on Android and Microsoft has committed to giving three years worth of updates on that platform. Uh, Microsoft details their Surface Duo camera app and features. I got that from Neowin. Um, and then there's just tons of info out there about Duo. The real content about Duo is going to come once the review units are in people's hands. We've seen plenty of photos of executives from Microsoft using them in different scenarios and sharing that on social media. But when people finally get their hands on with them and, and September 10th rolls around and every day people get their hands on it, we'll really start to hear about the device. Um, a lot of concerns about the, the specs and stuff like that on it, but you know, specs aren't always the best indicator of how useful or, or um, how solid a device is. So we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Microsoft released Minecraft Education Edition for Chromebooks. Very smart move with all the people and students working from Chromebooks in this work from home and remote learning environment. Ed Bot on ZDNet, class action joke, three Microsoft customers walking into a court, no proof, no evidence, no anything, and suing Microsoft and wanting a class action suit out of it. Uh, Outlook for Windows is going to get its cloud syncing capabilities. There's already, if you're an insider in, in Office, in Outlook, you've already seen a, an option in settings to sync your settings via the cloud. The one thing, though, that did not get released last month that was expected to was the cloud syncing of your signatures. So it would sync to everywhere you use Outlook. Uh, that unfortunately got delayed because of some challenges around it and the release, so they opted to wait. That's supposed to come out in September's uh, Insider release, uh, or here very soon, that we'll be able to sync your cloud. And in fact, I've got my cloud, my signatures kind of restricted to one device until the cloud sync hits so that I can see it work and go out and see how that happens. Uh, Microsoft, if you hadn't heard, Microsoft announced back in Inspire about this DataFlex low-code branding that they were going to use. Turns out there's another company that's been using that term for their software and initial use back in the early 80s. 
So Microsoft has pulled everything, it seems, related to Dataflex, and we don't know where they're going to go with this branding and how they're going to approach the change. It, Dataflex is the new name they had planned to use for their common data service, which is part of their um, Power BI, Power Platform, things like that. Uh, and I've got a link here to the company Data Access Worldwide, who wrote a, a blog post that said Microsoft Dataflex question mark and so they have there is litigation going on right now around that brand although Microsoft announced the name they've pulled everything it looks like they're going to make some kind of settlement and sort it out and they'll have to pick a new name um, Windows subsystem for Linux 2 support is now coming to Windows versions 1903 and 1909 that was initially only released uh, for the previous versions so that got announced this week so you can add Windows uh, WSL 2 to your devices if you use that uh, eye contact is becoming more generally available right now on Surface Pro X because it's got that extra processing, that extra chip that allows processing of things. And this, uh, this eye contact is what it does is it helps, it translates your eyes looking as if you're always looking at the camera even though you might be looking at the screen. So it does an algorithm to kind of make that happen. And it's very impressive. If you've seen the demo of it or the video, it is very impressive. Uh, it doesn't look weird or, or cause any kind of eyes on your forehead kind of thing. It is done very, very well. Um, so that's what's going on there. And then there was a leaked hardware keyboard, physical keyboard from Microsoft that's actually added an emoji key apparently, a Windows 10 emoji key. If you didn't know, you can hit Windows key period to bring up the emoji uh, selection panel uh, and Kimoji. It's got all of it there. But this is actually a physical keyboard that has that key now to bring up the uh, emojis. Kind of, I guess it'd be handy for those that use that a lot. On the Apple front, lots going on crazy around Apple. First off, that we heard the week before last that they were readying subscription bundles to help boost their digital service offerings. So different combinations of services would be available at a lesser rate than if you subscribed individually. But then everything blew up around Apple and the whole Epic and Fortnite thing because Epic added this feature this option to buy uh, their virtual bucks for Fortnite, um, V-Bucks, to buy them uh, using a external purchase option, not an in-app purchase option on the um, Apple version, iOS version of Fortnite. That caused just a little bit of trouble, and Apple very quickly shut them down. Uh, kicked them, they're kicked out of the store now. They're now no, also no longer available on the Google Store because of the same thing. Because it violates the the store terms that they're supposed to. Those purchases are supposed to come through the store. Of course, because Apple and Google take a cut of those purchases, um, and uh, so that's been going back and forth. And Epic is riding this down the rails. I tweeted yesterday. Uh, they're having this. They're making a big deal of this final tournament with everybody, including iOS, because now iOS Apple has threatened they're going to cut off developer access to the platform. So this is not only going to affect Fortnite, but anybody who uses Unity, Unity 3D to do games on iOS will lose access to that capability as well. So that it is this thing is going to ride all the way and it looks like Epic is not going to blink. So it'll be interesting to see what happens when other people are impacted by this beyond just Epic. Uh, of course, we've just learned this week that Apple is now told WordPress I'm talking about WordPress.org. They have an app on iOS, and they have it's been a free app, right? Because WordPress.com sites are free; you don't have to pay to subscribe to them. But if somebody wanted to go more advanced or have other services, they could subscribe at WordPress.com once they built their site. Well, none of that kind of purchasing is happening through iOS and the iOS app. Apple has now frozen 
uh, WordPress's uh, Automatics, that's the parent company, Matt, uh, Matt Mullenweg, they have frozen their ability to update things until they add an in-app purchase op option for these things so that Apple can get their cut. Now, it'll be interesting to see if Apple does this with all the free-to-play stuff, right? Free-to-play apps, free-to-play games, free-to-play whatever. If the, and if there's a purchase option on the other end of those things, if they're tr going to treat WordPress like this, you can expect Apple to go looking for other places that they're not getting their cut because the app is in their store. Uh, so this is, this is going to get a lot uglier and a lot rougher before it's over. It'll be Because, you know, there's a lot of discussion around antitrust and things of that nature, um, and Apple says that the rules apply to everybody, but there's stories out there that say that Amazon got a special rate cut for Prime to bring their in-app purchases to Apple. So, you know, I don't know. It, I watch this. I watch it with interest to see what happens, but we've got a lot going on in this world, so we'll see. And then Apple did update Parallels Desktop or uh, whoever makes Parallels Desktop. I don't know. I'm not a Mac guy. They've added Big Sur support, which is the latest release of the, oper uh, the laptop operating system, desktop operating system. On the Google front, Google won their song lyrics scraping case. So you might have heard about this. A lyrics company uh, filed suit against Google because they claimed that they were scraping and stealing their lyrics to put them on, their, on the search engine. Well, that, that, that case went to court. And uh, it was ruled in Google's favor that they were not scraping those things, that they were part of uh, available content. Uh, Mozilla downsized. They, I guess they were looking to lay off about 250 people. However, Google came through to give them some money to kind of, uh, I forget, $450 million or something like that to keep them going. And, but I haven't read yet that those 250 employees that were going to be laid off weren't laid off because of that money. Uh, let me check real quick and check Paul Therott's writing about this because that's one of the links I have for you. Uh, so they extended that thing. Um, let's see. Let's see. That. Yeah, I don't see anything written here about um, uh, whether or not they uh, saved those 250 people from layoff or not. So I'm not 100% sure there. Um, in miscellaneous tech, Twitter is now letting everyone limit the replies to their tweets. So there's an option now that anyone can reply only those that you at or mention in your tweet, initial tweet, can reply, or nobody can reply. So those options are now apparently rolled out to everybody with uh, the ability to do that. Kind of, you know, I think I've said this before, I'm not a fan of that because it doesn't allow free discussion. It allow, what it does allow is people who may post controversial things, it, gets, it allows them to control the conversation. And, and that's not true free conversation. So I'm not a real big fan of that. The Chromium blog uh, changes uh, the, the Chrome app um, are coming. So, so everyone knows that Chromium uh, is the basis of the new edge and, of course, Chrome and things like that. So uh, they are looking to wind down the use of Chrome apps specifically in Chromium. So there's a new timeline that starts March of this year, June of next year, and then June of 2022 when they stop accepting updated um uh, Chromium-based apps. I, I'm not sure how that's going to affect everything moving forward. Um, it's it's just uh, this doesn't change support for Chrome extensions. Google will continue to invest and support Chrome extensions on all platforms. Um, so this is specifically around Chrome app migration. There's a link in here to the Chrome apps migration site, and that's where they'll update things uh, related to this whole wind down. Uh, Amazon incorporating podcasts into Amazon Music and Audible. However, there was some kind of a there was a confidential plan in an email that got leaked out, and one of the 
obligations of shows that are included in the Amazon Music or Audible, which is owned by Amazon, was they must not disparage Amazon as any part of their podcast. Um, so that created a little bit of a ruckus. And I, if I remember right, I read a follow-up that said they have backed down from that. So smart move. It's just a little bit uh, concerning that that was how they approached things in the first place. Again, another attempt to suppress free speech, free discussion, and all that kind of stuff. Huawei is going to halt their smartphone chipset production was announced, but then Qualcomm got in the, into looking into wanting to buy that business. I haven't heard if that uh, has followed through yet or not. Um, Bridge Keyboard, spelled B-R-Y-D-G-E. Rich Woods on NeoWin has got a review of the Bridge Keyboard that takes a Surface Pro or a Surface Go and turns it into a laptop. Basically, it's got a slot at the top where you slot in the, the, the tablet and you are able to use a full-size keyboard like a laptop-size keyboard. Pretty cool device. I was demoed it a few years ago at, I think, at CES, one of the last ones I attended. Very, very cool device for a company. If you're using a tablet kind of flow and you want an option that maybe gives you a more uh, uh, traditional laptop kind of setup, this might very well fulfill that. So that was available. And Toshiba. Toshiba announced they are no longer making laptops. After 35 years of making laptops, they are out of the business. So that's unfortunate. Toshiba made some pretty good stuff over the years. On the gaming front, very busy couple of weeks in gaming. Uh, cloud gaming has arrived on the Xbox Game Pass beta uh, on Android. Not coming to iOS right now, only on Android devices. I would love to see the Xbox Game Pass uh, app, beta or not, on Windows 10 get the cloud gaming option as well. I don't know if this would be doable. I, well, it would have to be doable, right? I, I suspect it would be doable. They're doing it on Android. Uh, it would be interesting to see it on desktop uh, because could you potentially play some games that are only available on platform uh, as opposed to just on PC? Uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator was released this past Tuesday. Uh, it is awesome to be able to finally sc share screenshots and experiences in that. I've been on the alpha, pre-alpha, alpha, and closed beta, and it is really nice to be able to share the views that I've been watching over for the last several weeks, a uh, couple months actually. And it is a, it is, it's got warts, it's got bugs, it's got issues, and a lot of people are running into stuff. But it is a beautiful sim. They've done a really good job with this implementation of how they're doing the world and the generation of it. Uh, and it will get better over time. They're going to reopen. They're going to have additional testing cycles, kind of like Xbox Insider, except it'll be Flight Simulator Insider type. And testers will be able to go back in and continue to test new updates, new, new things like that. But it really is. And, and let me tell you something. There has been a run on joysticks, throttle quadrants, and yokes and pedals. Uh, if you go to Microsoft, I tweeted it this morning, but if you go to Microsoft.com and go into their store and PC gaming accessories, nearly all of the joysticks and throttle quadrants and yokes are sold out right now. Um, sold out. And even on Amazon, you know, a 10-year-old plus joystick, which I use, I use the Logitech 3D Extreme Pro. Uh, it's a really solid joystick for doing a uh, casual flight simulator. Uh, this thing, it was first released back in the two, late 2000s. And was selling for like 39 uh, a few weeks ago. Now you can't find it for any less than 60 because people are buying them and reselling them. So there has been a run on all those kind of controllers. A serious run on it. Uh, best reviewed game in years. So it's getting very, very positive reviews. Uh, I've got a developer's uh, Q&A address to talk about community questions and concerns that was released a couple weeks ago. Uh, very funny story here about a typo. So, so um 
Asobo Studios, which developed as a French studio, uh, and Black Shark AI is how they create the world. They, they find data about buildings and things like that in public databases or public sources. And this one building in, in Australia, I think it was, said that it, it's supposed to only have two stories, but the thing, the data was a misprint and it was 212 stories. So there's a picture. I've got a link to the Engadget story so you can see it. There is this 212 story kind of like square building right in the middle of nowhere in a city that shouldn't have been there. It was because the data said it had 212 stories and the algorithm, the AI algorithm that generated that building gave it 212 stories. So that's kind of, it shows that data is important, right? They've updated it since and apparently it's gone, but still pretty uh, unique to see something like that. Just a funny kind of side. Microsoft Flight Simulator, known issues tracker. Microsoft has now published a list of issues that they are uh, dealing with, hearing feedback on, so you can keep an eye on what's going on there. Uh, got a recommendation here. Here's how you remove the UI and take screenshots. Um, and then we'll, so, so Flight Simulator is going to be an ongoing development. It's going gonna, it's gonna to be like kind of, like I said, an insider program. There's going to be opportunity for people to test new kind of releases and new updates and new fixes. And over time, they're just going to continue to develop Flight Simulator um, as, a, as an active development platform, not just a static release. A uh, new Xbox controller has leaked out, and Brad Sams over at Throt.com has a comparison of the new one to the current one. <coughs> uh, and we also know because of the packaging on that leaked controller that the Lockhart, which is the lower end, so you know we had Xbox X and Xbox, Xbox One X and Xbox One S, S being a little bit lower powered. Well, there is going to be an Xbox Series X that will be the lower powered version of Xbox Series X. So we now know that that's gonna be called Xbox Series X because the leaked controller's packaging indicated that that was the name of the system, Xbox Series X and Xbox Series S. Uh, EA Access has changed their name to EA Play everywhere that it's available. Uh, if you do, this is a great way to kind of access uh, Electronic Arts titles. They have a huge library built up right now, and if you're patient enough with a game like Madden or something like that and wait until it lands on there, you'll get access to the game as part of the subscription. I think the subscription is like $30 a year. So for the games you get in, it's like Game Pass. For the games you get there, you pay for yourself in one game. So it's well, well worth it if that's the kind of gaming you like to play. Um, in the space department, let's talk a little bit about space now. So the Department of the Air Force for their Boeing X-37 Bravo, that's that kind of secret little shuttle that flies the two-year missions, received an award for aerospace excellence this past August. Uh, on the NASA front, there's a good story in here about how they kind of persevered through the pandemic, looking ahead this year and into 2021. Um, and then one of the ways they're kind of looking forward is their internships. NASA internships are a big deal. And this year they're doing it virtually because of the pandemic. And there's a great story about that as well. On the rocket launch front coming up, um, ULA will launch Falcon or Delta IV Heavy with a National uh, Reconnaissance Laboratory uh, payload on it. So it's a bit of a secretive launch. They don't show much after the, the initial launch and stuff. But it's at 1.50 a.m. in the morning, and I'm really tempted. It's August 26th, so it's four days from now. It's going to be early in the morning, uh, late at night, early in the morning. I'm really tempted to go to my new spot that I took pictures of the comet, Comet Neowise, and try to get a, a shot. It's a beautiful dark spot nearby. It's it's less than 15 minutes from my house, and I'm really and it's got a beautiful broad view of the horizon too. So I'm really tempted to go down and and try to capture the launch of the Falcon Heavy. 
Falcon Heavy, ULA Delta IV Heavy for this mission coming up in a few days. So we'll have to see if I get out there. SpaceX has revealed more details for its spaceport in Texas. I mentioned a couple episodes ago they're challenged. They're being challenged about the way they're using that spaceport by the local authorities that's outside of the, the scope of how it was initially addressed and, and uh, regulated or licensed, whatever you call that. Um, uh, but they're also doing SpaceX, you know, they flew a bigger version of uh, their, their Starship and a very short flight, but again, continuing to test the things they're doing there. Uh, we had a, uh, a Falcon 9 launch this past week. They launched a booster that was its sixth launch and sixth landing, and that's the mo- most they've ever done on a booster. They've only ever done five as the maximum in the past. So, And they, they if I'm not mistaken, they recovered one of the fairings in the nets of the, the recovery ship as it parachuted back down and one had to be pulled out of the water. But the cool part about that launch was that both of the fairing halves that were on that rocket stack were previously recovered and refurbished to be reused and launched. So saving money. Uh, continuing Elon Musk and SpaceX's goal of saving money uh, and reducing the cost of space launch. Okay, what else? Let's close things out. Talk. Here's a space movie I saw a trailer for the other day that I wasn't expecting. I hadn't heard about this. But Hillary Swank, um, it's a it's the movie or series or I, I can't remember now. It's called Away. Uh, it is a uh, mission to Mars type movie, but it involves a lot of family. Oh, it's Netflix. So it's a it's a um, it's a Netflix. Let me see. Drama, drama. So uh, it's a Netflix movie apparently. Um, so it's going to kind of focus on not just the technical space type of stuff, but the family and the isolation when you're on a mission going to Mars, which is so far away, and all of that kind of stuff. So it's kind of got, it looks like it's going to focus on a lot of that. So there is a trailer for that. I've got a link here in the notes for that. So it looks interesting. We'll, we'll check it out. We'll see. Um, and then an interesting story I saw, you know, with all the stuff going on with the pandemic and store closures, and we already knew that Sears and JCPenney stores in malls were shutting down uh, in many places and refocusing their efforts and kind of consolidating. Um, apparently, Amazon and big mall operators have been talking about taking over those spaces and turning them into fulfillment centers. So a pl- rather than having to build a brand new fulfillment center, Amazon would move into these places, probably gut them out, set them up for, as a distribution fulfillment center to help distribute products within certain geographical regions or cities. Um, it's an interesting idea, you know, to people are ordering from Amazon and not going to the malls anymore. So there's that perspective. So now you're going to fulfill those orders from a mall. Um, but I, it actually it makes sense for use of space. Let's not build something brand new and add. Let's use something that exists and recycles it. So I don't have too much heartburn with this. I, I think it's a great way to kind of reuse space that's not being used. The, the day of these huge storefronts is just, and that's Amazon, right? That's Amazon and online ordering and all that stuff. And Amazon's not the only one. Many companies now do pure online retail and stuff in smaller um, uh, brick and mortar. So it's an interesting concept to kind of see how that will go down the road. All right, and the other thing to close out this uh, week's episode with is that two tropical storms, Marco and Laura, are headed to the Gulf of Mexico. They're both expected to become hurricanes by Tuesday and make landfall on Tuesday and Wednesday, uh, in sequ- uh, kind of following each other with Marco being first over towards Texas and Laura being more over to the, uh, towards the east 
on the uh, Gulf Coast near Louisiana and areas like that. Uh, it's the it would be the first time that two hurricanes have been active in the Gulf of Mexico ever. We got very close back in '33, almost 90 years ago, with one over in the Gulf and one over Florida. But these two would actually be, if you go look at the photos at the National Hurricane, nhc.noaa.gov, you can see the, the, the uh, projected paths of these things, the cones of uncertainty, and you can see that how they're coming. So it, it's actually going to cover a broader swath of area than a single hurricane would. And so potential is there to be very dangerous. If you're in the path, be careful, be prepared, uh, do what you've got to do. If you're in a low-lying area, evacuate when people tell you to evacuate, right? Be safe and protect yourself and your family. Um, and that's where we're at. We're at the end of episode 14 of the Faith, Tech, and Space podcast. want to remind everybody to be kind to each other, wear a mask. You're not doing that for yourself. You're doing that for others. And we hope that others do it for you as well and me. Uh, so blessings. We will look to be back in touch again in a week from now and uh, with episode 15 and catch you up on whatever's going on in the world of tech and faith and space. Take care, everybody. Thank you.